0: Welcome to the 14th and final entry in Bureau 42's comic book podcast, Pilot Season. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. Today we're dealing with the second entry in the Great Runs series. Looking specifically at Walt Simonson's Thor, issues 349 to 359, 356 is a fill-in issue. So Simonson is still on scripts and pencils with the same support team for the most part. It feels very much like a do-it-my-way situation, so it's very much Simonson's vision. As you can see, there's some panels that are even read from right to left, and so naturally I had noticed I'd done so. It's the way they were drawn, it's the way they were lettered, and it just works together so well between Simonson and John Workman. I suspect a lot of it was Simonson saying, this is where the word bubbles go, you just go fill in the letters so I have time to do the rest. In issue 349, we learn the history of Surtur and his previous encounter with Odin and Odin's brothers issues 350 to 353 we see the actual fight against serter Cerda's got a very clear goal where he's trying to get into Asgard to light the Twilight Sword with the Eternal Flame, and doing so will make him unstoppable, at which point he will lay waste to the Nine Worlds. So the Asgardians head out to Earth, or Midgard as they call it, to stop this, with the exception of Odin, who stays behind as a final line of defense. He even brings in Beta Ray Bill and Sif back from space to help shore up those lines, and Bill acts as Thor's second in command in the battle on Midgard. So... Loki actually is used to particularly good effect here, as does Thor and the others. I said before, one of my issues with Thor is that he was more of a brawn over brains kind of character, especially in the early years that I've been reading. We see some of that here, where he tries to fight this flame beast by bringing about the storm, but rather than flood Manhattan, he ends the storm, which creates a rainbow. And in Norse mythology, that is the rainbow bridge, the Bifrost Bridge, that leads to Asgard. So he effectively opens the door for Surtr to get to Asgard and realizes Odin knew that all along. He knew that was coming. And he was always planning to make the final stand there. So while Thor follows Surtur using his own means to get into Asgard, the rest of the Asgardians stay behind. And when I say rest, I mean all of them. We've got the Executioner, we've got Tyr, we've got Enchantress. The only ones who refused the call or refused to do whatever Odin asked them to do were effectively Loki and Lorelei. Lorelei thought that the Enchantress was, you know, making light and just tricking her with something else. She wouldn't believe her. While Loki appeared to be working in tandem with them. He is used to incredible effect here. We learn that, no, he figured out that Surge's plans were to destroy more than just Midgard. And if they'd just stuck with destroying Midgard and left at that, he'd have been fine. But destroying all nine worlds? Well, he plans to rule them, and he has no intention of ruling over a cinder. So after Surtur has made it to Asgard, beaten down Heimdall, beaten down Thor, and beaten down Odin, and is ready to go light the Twilight Sword in the flame, it's Loki that actually saves the day, using his power of illusion and fending off Surtur long enough for Odin, Thor, and Loki to join forces to fight as a combined force for three different goals. As they cry out in their battle cry going into the fight, Odin fights for Asgard, Thor fights for Midgard, and Loki fights for myself just perfect characterization there and yet we do believe that they will all work together so those are in the first few issues here with titles like Ragnarok and Roll Ragnarok and Roll 2 Ragnarok and Ruin if you know a bit about Norse mythology Ragnarok is like Armageddon it's their end of the world story so the question becomes if you've got the end of the world story how do you continue and escalate from there well Walt Simonson does it the battle ends with Odin basically sacrificing himself to prevent Surtr from moving forward. So Odin is lost. They conclude that he's not dead, because the Odin power hasn't come back and imbued itself into Thor and Loki. But Loki cannot sense him in the Nine Worlds. Hela cannot sense him in the Nine Worlds, so she assumes he's dead and comes to claim his soul, which gives Thor something to immediately vent at. And it keeps building from there. So with Odin gone, Asgard needs a ruler. With the Bifost Bridge destroyed, the Asgardians are stuck back on Earth. Or Midgard, as they call it. So Lorelai as Melody uses Loki's magic and Loki's assistance to get Thor more under her sway. Meanwhile, Sif is falling in love for Beta Ray Bill, a mere mortal, and starting to understand why Thor had such a time letting go of Jane Foster, even though Odin had forbade Thor's love of Jane Foster at some point. So that answers some of the questions I had last time, but not all of them. Especially when Fandral... Goes to Doctor Blake's office to clean up some of that and tie up those loose ends. And Jane Foster is not one of the staff. They do have three different employees that Fandral pays off with gold, saying it's severance pay, and uses them as guardian magic to make them forget they'd ever heard of Donald Blake. So we get some great showcases for Simonson's talent up to this point. They're showcasing not just Thor, but all of Asgardian culture. A number of supporting cast. So the Warriors 3 of Fandrel Hogan and Volstagg are used very well. Sif is used very well. Loki in particular shines in this one. We see, again, some talk about the dangers of immortality. We see a lot of Volstagg's children that were working under Frigga's care. I deliberately left that out of the plot summary as a little gem for you to find if you're reading along on your own, which I recommend you do. We see Simon... Hermanson's Fantastic Four love, which is going to turn into a run on that title later. When everything is coming down and we've got demons overrunning Midgard, well, we don't just get the Fantastic Four and the Avengers showing up to help the fight. We get the X-Men. They're never mentioned, but Storm is drawn in one of the panels. So, finally get the feeling that yeah, the X-Men are taking part. That's One of the reasons I haven't really been able to get into the X-Men is so many times when there's a call for everyone to defend, they seem to sit out the big events. Makes it easier for them to tell their own stories and their own titles, but when you're reading a larger portion of the Marvel Universe, it does make them seem like self-centered jerks. But maybe that's just me. We also get a nice showcase for the emotional sides of these gods. So they do have power beyond that of mere mortals, but the psychology is close enough to mortals. There are some distinct differences that are drawn between the mortal and immortal psychologies, but there's enough similarities that we could still identify and care and follow along. Simonson is definitely embracing the godhood of these characters and the title's better for it. It's not like the ineffective, I found, efforts to walk the line in the earlier issues that prevented me from reading further. So the art itself is still great and stylized and detailed, very easy to follow and very easy to read the story. The structure is excellent. I haven't really gone into much what happens after issues, you know, 354, 355. There's a lot more coming in 350's 7, 8, and 9, particularly with the Loki and Lorelai subplot. But again, I'll leave that And just recommend you read it. These are all on Digital Comics Unlimited, as is issue 356, that fill-in issue, which I did find to be one of the most enjoyable fill-in issues I've ever seen in one of the titles. Doesn't even have Thor, so they don't have to try and fit it between the raindrops, but it does still belong in a Thor title. Uh, Essentially, Hercules and Jarvis are walking through the park, or Central Park in particular. There's a young boy who is a big fan of Thor. He's got a sketchbook drawing Thor. And a bully takes a sketchbook away, and he's going to destroy it and say, well, no, Thor can't beat these guys. They see Hercules, and they go to ask, who's stronger? You or Hercules. And Hercules doesn't realize this boy's a passionate Thor fan. The bully is a bully and has his drawings. And if Hercules doesn't answer Thor, he gets destroyed. And Hercules being Hercules, he starts spitting this tale about how he and Thor fought and how he was just handing Thor easy defeat all the way through and just beating Thor up with no chance. Jarvis puts it together, sort of pulls Hercules aside, whispers to him a little bit, and then Hercules comes in and amends the story so that, well, Thor turns out was just holding back to give him some early confidence, and then he just laid him out. And Thor easily bests Hercules by the time the story's done. Very nicely done. I really enjoyed that. As I said, as fill-in issues go, that's one that's very easy to recommend. Well, that wraps up what we have for this chapter. Later chapters will go into a little more detail. I wanted to cut this one short a little bit because this is the last day of the comic book podcast pilot season, so I just wanted to review what these seven podcasting options are and what they're going to be, how they're going to come out, how you can vote on them. So there will be a vote. It's done through a combination of means. You could do it through Google Forms, and the link to that form is right in the Bureau 42 article that posts this podcast. You can go to bureau42.com and find it there. Or if you'd prefer, you can just email me directly at bureau42podcasts at gmail.com. That's B-U-R-E-A-U-4-2-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. And those will be tabulated as well. Now, the options themselves, the options we've been running on Sundays, are Nick Fury, Agent of Shield read-alongs. That's going through all available appearances of Nick Fury in the Agent of Shield incarnation that I have in my library. So that's everything where he's a title character, remember the regular cast, plus a lot of his guest appearances. And that will be done one story arc at a time. So early on it'll be one issue at a time. As we get further, it'll be, you know, things like Nick Fury versus Shield was a six issue square bound story arc. That would be dealt with in one podcast. And the end of one podcast will always tell you what's coming next. Similarly, the Monday option that we've had so far was a new warriors read-along. Again, dealing with all appearances, the new warriors characters across all of their titles, and as many of their guest appearances in other titles that I have access to. And again, one story arc at a time. The Tuesday option or option number three is comic book physics, where we go through and discuss the physics behind what we see on the comic page, or at least how the comic creators have been interpreting the laws of physics. So far we dealt with how Thor flies with Mjolnir, as well as Spider-Man swinging along his webs. The Wednesday options were Golden Age greats. We're going to be going through random and or listener-suggested issues from www.digitalcomicmuseum.com, covering the Golden Age of comics, finding the gems and the rough pebbles that are buried with them, and identifying as many of the modern influences as possible. So far with that, we have discussed the first issue of The Spirit and the sixth issue of Silver Street Comics, which was the first appearance of the Golden Age Daredevil. The Thursday option has been Daredevil's Advocate, which is a debate between myself and a guest. I always take Daredevil's side, the rotating guest will take the character of his or her choice, and we debate who is the better character. The first entry was guest star Adam Graham discussing Captain America... The second entry was guest star Anthony Stoffer, and he was debating on behalf of Iron Fist. Now, it may get repetitive if I'm always picking Daredevil. In the long term, I'm thinking I could just open the floor and we could debate with any guest about any pair of characters they choose. So the guest would pick their own character and assign a character to me. And again, those are determined by voting. Uh, the votes are still open for both of those initial weeks, and when we put out a podcast announcing which wins the comic book pilot season podcast, we'll also announce the winners of those debates. The Friday option is Character Compare and Contrast, where it's just myself in a single voice podcast putting two characters head-to-head by predefined criteria in the seven categories that we discussed this week, and go through to see which is the better character. When I'm choosing the characters, I'll predominantly use ones where one is a clear rip-off of the other, but the floor will be open for listener suggestions of which two characters to compare, as long as I've got enough access to them in my library to have a sensible debate and a sensible discussion, I will certainly do that. Last week, the debate was Namor versus Aquaman. This week, it was the Hal Jordan Green Lantern versus the Richard Ryder Nova. And then, of course, finally, on Saturdays, we have The Great Runs. So this one would start with a five-part series going through Walt Simonson's Great Run on Thor, and Fallout branching out into Great Runs on other titles by other creative teams, with listener suggestions, of course, welcome. And the same caveat as before, it'll be limited to runs I have access to. So while that means it's probably going to be predominantly Marvel, just because my collection is, I'm certainly open to suggestions for anything I've got from other titles. For example, I've got the full Neil Adams Batman in the hardcover collections. I've got every issue of every Green Lantern title. I've got a lot of the more recent Batman, so a lot of what was on Comicsology before the New 52, including Grant Morrison's run and things like that. So there are options there, although, as I said, they are predominantly Marvel, thanks to the Git Corp's DVDs. So I've got complete runs of Incredible Hulk, Fantastic Four, Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Silver Surfer, Uncanny X-Men. Again, a lot of them. Now, the first two options here, the Nick Fury and New Warriors read-alongs, would both be finite-run podcasts. So if either of those come out on top, then the second- or third-place winners in the vote would follow in that order. So if it turns out Nick Fury wins, New Warriors is second- and say The Great Runs is third, then I would do the complete Nick Fury run, then the complete New Warriors run, and then go on to The Great Runs beyond that. So that wraps it up. Please don't forget to vote at either bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or through the Google Forms document linked from bureau42.com, and listen to the podcast feed, either the Bureau 42 Master Audio feed, or when it launches through the website, a new feed dedicated to whatever wins the comic pilot season voting, and follow along from there. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to counting the votes.